0: And so, I'd like to offer some instructions for the day. <coughs> so, just uh, to review that we began with the first foundation of mindfulness of the body with the breath, and expanding to include other senses. sensations, sounds. Being mindful of other senses of sight, smell, taste. We've expanded as well into the field of emotions. And today we expand to thoughts these different states of mind. It's said in the Dharma that the mind is the creator of one's heavens and hells through one's thoughts. The power of the mind. this particular practice bringing awareness to experience directly this changing nature of mental formations states of mind just like the breath that we've been breathing that comes in and out and the different sensations that rise and fall the sounds the sensations of the senses emotions that we have recognized allowed, felt, teased out, that they too are subject to this rise and fall, these beginnings and endings, (coughs) and so too bringing awareness and directly experiencing how thoughts are coming and going. As we know, there's such a wide spectrum of different types of thoughts of course, some preoccupied with the future, others with the past, scrutinizing, comparing, contrasting, fantasizing, liking, disliking, such a wide range of different states of mind. And so just including into awareness <coughs> how these thoughts and emotions are ever-changing. Of course, you're welcome to continue with that object of the breath as a way to ground, to be present. And from time to time, different thoughts will arise and when they arise to meet them with awareness experience them as they come and they go, like all things. Within these teachings the mind is considered like a a sense organ and that the nose of course is designed to smell and the tongue to taste the body to feel the eyes to see the nose to smell and the mind it thinks and with any of these senses experiencing this beginning and endings the changing nature of things and such as bringing awareness and experiencing directly these different states of mind different thoughts thought formations experiencing them coming and going And I will say, may we also employ wise discernment. If there is a particular emotion that arises that's strong, you're welcome to continue to recognize and allow and feel. But also know that this is a state of mind, that it rises and it passes like all things. And so staying in the body, in the breath, as we breathe in and breathe out, and just expanding this awareness at times into the foreground will be different thoughts, and just experiencing them coming and going, and perhaps grounding back to the breath again, being present. And so I'd like to offer a little experiment in our practice. (coughs) For this time, just particularly just bringing awareness to experience the thoughts as they come and go. Beginning now. And so, just to offer a (coughs) point of reference, keeping an eye on the clock, just about one minute has gone by since I last spoke. Perhaps you could not even have counted how many different thoughts have come and gone. So, just experiencing these states of mental formations, thoughts, rising and passing, No need to be grasping or rejecting, just allow different thoughts, coming and going, being present. There's no need to try to control these thoughts, just allowing and experiencing As with all things, they rise and they pass away, thoughts, mental formations, and thoughts coming and going. Just allowing, being present, thoughts. Resisting nothing and grasping at nothing, just thoughts coming and going. And so just easy does it. Just being with the breath in and out and quite naturally at certain points you may just discover you're off into the future, the past. And just knowing at that moment thoughts, experiencing them directly, eventually they pass away and then perhaps returning back to the breath again. No need to try to produce thoughts. They will come with their own time. Experiencing this changing nature of things. Being present. And so uh, yeah, it's working. This uh human organism has these operational systems. Eye wired to the brain, sees visual formations, colors, shapes, movement, the ears. Wired, hear sounds. The nose and its wirings smell, sense. The tongue and its wirings taste. The body, of course, and its wirings, the central nervous system, from head to toes to fingertips, feeling sensations. And the mind. Interacting, of course, with these five senses and its own formations of thoughts and emotions. These are the operational elements, we could say the hardware. And the software is our story, <laughs> our lives. So this field of uh, the foundations of mindfulness encompass all of the dimensions of what it is to be human. And the teachings point that no matter where we bring attention to, it comes and it goes. This is a very powerful teaching, perhaps revealing to us this changing nature of things, and how do we begin to go with the flow rather than putting up a fight, a resistance to what's here. And of course, as times, we can take these thoughts to be so seriously that we Kill each other over them. our perceptions become so solid we believe that this is reality. I remember one time in San Francisco driving my car down one of these very narrow streets. And there was this car that was like kind of parked out in the street a little bit too taking up too much space. And you know, I started beeping the horn, saying for this guy to move over so I can get by. Didn't respond. I beeped it again. Didn't respond. Finally, I got very annoyed. All right, the guy's not moving. I had to go up partly on the sidewalk, and I'm driving by, and I look over to to that guy. There was no one in the car power of my thoughts, my perceptions. Our thoughts are the creators of these heavens and these hells in our lives. And yes, uh, we take these very seriously. And it's helpful in the practice to begin to experience how thoughts come, they're here, and they eventually leave. So this foundation of mindfulness is to bring attention and awareness to the changing nature of these formations. Coming from yesterday, it's a very important teaching about working with emotions and that way of recognizing, allowing, feeling. That begins to tease it out, to get insight, understanding. So, as we're doing these practices today, may we, um, if there's something on the emotional skill that rises up very strongly, we may want to discern maybe I need just to recognize that it's here and allow and feel it. Rather than perhaps quickly bypassing it, oh, just another mind state. So we want to distinguish. Sometimes that can be very wise. Ah, I see you. Anger. It is a state, a thought. It comes, it goes. At other times, perhaps discerning, eh, this has got some strong activation here, and maybe I need to just stay with this more. In any event, you too will also experience it comes and it goes as well. So maybe we be wise with the practice. It's sometimes very easy when there's uncomfortable thoughts just to say, thoughts, and not bring that sense of recognizing, allowing, and feeling. So we'll play with this. But in the end, whether it's emotions or thoughts, or sounds or sensations, they come and they go. This is to be known. This is to be experienced. So I hope I haven't made you too confused. (laughs) That discernment the wisdom of moving in, the wisdom of allowing, seeing it coming, and going. So, um, a quality that I want to speak about before we open up for a couple of questions or comments. And Teacher Tungvalu Sero used to always say that um, patience is the way to nibbana, to awakening. So the other day I brought in the quality of unhurriedness, and today I'd love to bring in the quality of patience. And I remember in those days, because I was just a young monk punk, I used to think to myself, how the heck do you become patient? I am so impatient. I want to get Nibbana now. I want to get enlightened. And Sero used to always say, be as humble. Now some of us might take this uh, this is a, coming from a different cultural context, be as humble as a doormat. <laughs> and um, there's a beautiful teaching about humility. Because what he was teaching really is the quality of being undefended. And I can see in my own life how defended I become. Because I'm right, because I have to keep my sense of self and ego. So that quality of undefendedness is a beautiful quality. the qualities of humility, the qualities of patience, and in my own experience, I can't say that I've fully mastered being patient, but I've come a long ways. And I discovered that my ability to actually sit and be with my impatience gradually, it was was like a cook, and it helped to cook so that as I stayed and felt my impatience, quite naturally and almost unexpectedly at first i began to experience more patience that was because of my ability to sit and be with the impatience and eventually to see that it was a weather system that came in it was there and like all weather systems they come and they go so maybe just open up if there's a Anyone has anything? Please. (coughs) I appreciated what you said about being um, undefended. Is there a time now when, when it becomes appropriate not to defend, but maybe to protect? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I really understand what you're saying, and at the same time, I feel like I'm a human being, and sometimes it something becomes too much, and I I feel like I need to respond and say, um, you know, sometimes assertively. Yes. So the question is about um, appreciating the quality of undefendedness, but is it also important at times to, um, Mm -hmm. is it being guarded or being protectful? Yeah? Yeah. So that's a very important question, and... Yes, they're both true. And I, I want to look at that undefended is is associated with wisdom, and part of that wisdom might be, depending on what that relationship or where we are, a certain sense of protection. And so but how can we be wise with you know, there's times like in relationships that I have with others, I have this such a posture of of defendedness that, that is not necessary. And, and I think the root of my defendedness is as I look more deeply, there's wiring. It, like on the dashboard of the car, it's a warning light, it says undefended, but then it's like wiring down, just like the brake light, it's wired. It, the problem in the brake light, that, up on the warning light, the problem is down on the wheel where the brakes are. So I often see that that sense of defendedness is wired to, I'm scared. And, and 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 so um i it's can be important to um, understand the wisdom of vulnerability the wisdom of undefendedness and the wisdom of you know discerning this this may be not the appropriate conditions and environment to to be that vulnerable but how can i even in that part not necessarily come from across like there's a difference between responding wisely to a difficult situation than reacting that's built on old conditioning in a way that's unwise, that's unproductive, sometimes can even be destructive. So how do I wisely respond with awareness rather than reacting with old conditioning? Yeah, we need to, ki- we need to protect ourselves. This is the vehicle that we live in to awaken. We gotta take care of this vehicle. With great kindness and wisdom, and we're learning. It's on-the-job training. <laughs> and you know, there'll be times in our life, as we all know, that you know, like a three-lane highway. You're driving in the middle lane, and sometimes you see you're swerving off to the left or the right, and then all of a sudden you see you're swerving. Yeah, because we're becau- aware, we can begin to come back into the center lane. So we're using our mindfulness to help guide us. So thank you. Please. I'm having um, difficulty seeing a thought go. Um, I, it seems easier to see it come, but when I want to see it go, I feel, I guess, tangled up in thought itself and, and uh, wanting to see it go then brings on more thought. <laughs> uh, does that make sense? Yes. Uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My teacher also used to say to me, no thinking, Bob, no thinking. Um, <laughs> but it it did evidently leave, didn't it? Because now you're asking this. Yeah. So he's... perhaps he? tell now that, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I'm assuming a lot of them have gone. <laughs> assuming, assuming, or... C- could could you say that yes, they've gone, like if you were thinking about breakfast, you're no longer thinking about it now unless of course I ask you about breakfast. Right, that's right, that's right. Um, yeah, there's a difference between assuming and, and they just being gone. And the knowing. And knowing. Yeah. And maybe there's their experience of it changing just because you're noticing another thing new. Oh, another thing new another thing new. So in order to know it new, it had to, something else had to have gone in order to know it to be new. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> have fun. <laughs> Do, no, don't think too much. It will just come and go, whether, whether we like it or not. It comes and, it's like like the weather. Yeah. Thank you. I think there's one more Then we'll Uncertainty in my life, and and it's sort of um, um, how do I say that? Um, pre- predicts, you know, like the worst case scenarios. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <coughs> so I sort of I'm sort of familiar with, with how it goes, and you know, and usually I work with it by by, by dropping it. but mm-hmm. like, uh, like, but you know, I want to start changing that <laughs> that narrative. Mm-hmm. I'll tease it apart, um I just get into you know, into deep, deep further into deep water. hmm Um so yeah, how what what are some some other tools I can apply besides, you know, dropping the story? Thank you. So it's about how do I work with um if I'm getting caught in the story, how do I work with it? other options right. yeah, and so I think it's very actually first of all very helpful to catch ourselves when we're in rumination because actually the the process of experience it coming and going is gone and now we're just kind of lost in the cycles of ruminative thinking and sometimes of course that can lead to catastrophizing and, and so forth and so of course the moment that you realize that you are ruminating you're now out of the rumination and you can name it, there's rumination. and Maybe it's actually very purposeful and very wise to come back to the breath. So particularly like if you're getting caught, like you know, you're know, you recognizing, you're allowing, but then again it's in that spin of the rumination that's not serving. And so we want to catch ourselves with that spin. And maybe the wisest choice is to come back to the breath. Maybe the wisest choice in this moment of realizing that I'm filled with a lot of fear to, to acknowledge the fear. And maybe there's some practices of, of the heart that's very important in that m- medicine right now. Maybe underneath it all, there's this part that's very deep that's, that's scared, that's needing some love. And can I begin to, oh, here's this really scared place again? I know you. At times may be wise to tease it out to get deeper understanding. At times, the wisdom of, oh, let me just, let me even place my hand on my heart in this moment, if, if need be. These stories, you know, these are our lives, and they're very, very powerful. So how do we, um... So we're we're learning how to approach and to work with these wisely. Thank you for your, the vulnerability of sitting with the rawness. And carry on. Thank you. So our time is here for, um the practice discussions, and Gil will be in room 100, which I believe we all know now, because we've, half of us have, well, actually, g- I go past the elevator, and you'll see the signs to go around the corner to the left to room 100. I will be in room 1. And... um Yeah, so we're reversing, so um, all those that that I saw will now see Gil, and those that saw Gil will be with me, and uh, wish you a very good day of practice.